This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. We have a special guest today who's going to talk to us about her background, a little bit about her special, maybe a lot about her specialty. And also, I think that this is just a really cool conversation of the ways that us as a community here can really leverage and hone in and specialize in an area of a competency, a place where you already thrive. And that's exactly what our guest LaToya Russell has done. So as we hop in here to episode number 155, let me introduce to you our friend of the podcast and of the Ops Authority, LaToya Russell. She's the owner of the OBM office, which is an agency that curates custom automation strategies. Yes, that's what we're going to be talking about today. She automates processes for entrepreneurs and corporations and provides automation training for teams and clients. She's the founder of the Quitting Corporate Online Training School and the course Anatomy of Automation, which I think is just such an amazing name. I'm going to tell you why here in a second. And has helped over 5,000 students to start virtual work-from-anywhere businesses and over 250 students to specialize in tech and automation. So I love the way that you're bringing people to the online space leveraging that corporate background, but also once you get them there, starting to explore what their gifts really are. And it looks like you've got a sizable amount of women or people who have seen that they can be strong in tech, and then you give them the tools to go even deeper and build businesses off of those things. So welcome to the show, Latoya. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. Yes. Looking forward to this conversation. Yes, I can already hear the accent. And I'm sure people are like, mm, tell me more, tell me more. So I read your formal bio. Give me a little scoop into who you are as a person, where you're from and all that good stuff. All right. So I'm Latoya Russell. As Natalie said, I live in the Caribbean. I'm from Barbados. And well, stepping into the online space for me was more of, I was looking for freedom, flexibility, but my major push was I could no longer stand my boss at the time. I had a really good job. I loved my team. I was in upper management, senior management, but there was just that one piece. And that one piece caused me to wake up on mornings and not want to go to work and, you know, feel like a ton of crap around it. And because I was already a virtual assistant on the side, I decided, you know what, it is time to not have to wake up every day and be in a space with someone who sucks the energy out of me. So I started to, you know, give this more attention and and expand on my virtual assistant business. And then not before long, I recognized that I needed a niche. So, you know, that word is kind of twofold. I always, you know, people niche, niche, how do you say it? So then I started doing a big hunt online and then I figured out working with clients who always needed this thing, but could never find the right person. I dived into that area. And then after getting my own agency kind of up and running, 
that also became a problem for me. So it wasn't now my client's problems. It was that I couldn't find someone who I needed to handle this bit in that business. So then I decided, you know what? I'm training so many people who come into my business to set this thing up. And then I empower them to leave because you know how these things are. They come in, they get the experience and then they move on to higher heights. So then I was like, you know what? You train people, they go out on their, their merry way let's see, you know, move this into something where you can empower more people and train more people in automation. So it's kind of like a short version of why I'm here and how I got here. I love it. I have a couple of questions just in you sharing that. What did you do in corporate? Tell me about the leap from corporate to this actual tech space. Were you in tech before? I was not. I came up in corporate administration. My last stint in corporate was assistant general manager So I was responsible or, you know, my main focus was actually the finance department. That was the main department that reported to me. But I also substitutely managed the warehousing and logistics and administration and front desk personnel, sales team, if and when necessary, because that fell directly under my GM. So as second, Mm -hmm. as a person next, that would also be my role if he wasn't available or when I was called on to do it. Awesome. There was that. However, I started a bachelor's in computer science that I never finished because I moved on to do my master's in another in another topic. So the tech, it was always there. So I did some coding, I did some Java, some Python, some CSS. Like my family always tells me, they always make snarky comments and things like, I see you with all that code, you know, you know, you know, you can get this done. Like you can hack this thing. They make hacking comments, right? <laughs> I don't think I'm that good, but they're behind the scenes thinking I'm a low key hacker. Awesome. So for those of you guys that are listening here, I just, and really Latoya, just to open up the conversation and what I see from a you know, someone who coaches so many women in the operational space, what you just described is, you know, she says her corporate background was in administration and, you know, there are so many different titles and honestly, so many different disciplines and, and administration slash operations, those two words are interchangeable. So I could have called this the admin, you know, basically the ops authority could have been the admin authority because those words can really be interchangeable. And what I was listening for as you were talking about your corporate experience and how we kind of bridge the gap from who you were then to where you are now, I'm looking at the skill sets underneath what we called admin. So the things that you were doing in that role that you just described, I jotted down a couple notes and analytical, like the financial place that you were in, the financial work that you were doing obviously shows that you've got an interest in the hard data, the facts, the numbers, but then the analytical piece, the methodical piece of pulling that out and being able to do something with that, managing people. I heard you say that you were leading you know, the other people and also being in a place of leadership, you're managing up, you're managing down, and then logistics, another even subspecialty that comes in underneath operations and administration. So it's like we cannot see, and I think both of us have the experience of being in leadership in a corporate role and then stepping out and kind of going into this wild unknown and building this back up. And for me, it was like, I was on this high of management. And then I kind of came down as I was trying to figure out where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And then my purpose and my innate skills aligned. And that's what allowed me to propel myself forward. And it's always so easy to look back. It's really hard to say at the age of 23 or 35, when I was still in corporate, starting and ending corporate, that I would 
be able to tell you that I would arrive at where I am today because there's just absolutely no way of being able to do that. But if you're here and you're listening today and you're in that place of you're in corporate or maybe you're in a role that just doesn't fulfill you or there's something that you're more passionate about, I would encourage you to look at what I just talked through and what both Latoya and myself have gone through is that experience is on purpose that you're experiencing right now. There are pieces of it that bring you joy and it may not be, you know, you you may have to look deeper than just the job description, right? It may, you may not really like finance, but you're doing finance. So what is it about the financial pieces that you feel comfortable with? And when, you know, she said financials and I thought, oh, analytical, methodical, organized, you know, deductive reasoning, look at those skills that make up those pieces and see how how much you enjoy those and then find ways to work that moving forward. If you talk about being analytical, I can see how that skill set has coupled with likely your love of learning, the curiosity. You talk about your family kind of piling on you and saying, hey, you love to hack or you're so good at coding. And who would have ever thought that the love of learning, being analytical, methodical, along with the big zest for wanting to be an entrepreneur and to change the situation, the scenario, the life that you were living could lead you to this place. But it has, and that's the same thing that has happened for me, obviously in a different way, but we get to be the author of that. You have the choice to be the author of that if that's what you wish. And and thank you so much for sharing your story. And I, I love... I love getting people on here to talk about what it looked like because every person who's listening has experiences beforehand. And so I hope that this is encouraging for for those of you guys that are listening to be able to see that the path forward is not going to be, it shouldn't be indicative of what you have done in the past. I think that's an old way of looking at it. And I'm really proud of what you have built, LaToya, and the impact that you've been able to make. Arguably, this is a much greater impact than the impact you could have had should you have stayed in it sounds like an uncomfortable work environment. You would have settled. You wouldn't have had the impact that you would have made. And you probably wouldn't be living out the purpose that you get to do today. So congrats on all of that. And and I'm really excited to dive into the tech piece. Thank you. I'm really glad you mentioned, you stuck a pin in the logistics piece for me because as you mentioned the analytics and I thought back about it, that was the hardest, craziest part. And so many women and moms and people, you know, who are interested in coming online say that they don't have the experience. And that was the part of the job that was the craziest thing because no one could ever get that managed. Before I went to that company, they were selling stuff that weren't there and, you know, making sure that I could understand and get it right. I pulled an entire department in for two weekends to get that update and that is a part of it. And now as I teach my students tech and automation, I also teach them how to keep inventory for the things that they set up so that they know what they need to fix or connect or touch if something breaks and all that stuff ties back in. I love it. Well, thank you so much for that kind of extended intro. I, I I really enjoy just getting to know people and other leaders in this space who are doing something similar in the ops and admin spaces. So on today's podcast, Latoya, I want to go deeper into understanding what automation sounds like in the space that I am in and the people that join 
our certification program, we have the gift of being methodical and analytical, the things that we were just talking about beforehand. And that leads to people being really strong in project management, sometimes process management. And if they can overlay the tech component, which has been absent for me, just being very transparent, I feel really comfortable with process and project management, but the tech piece was just something I wasn't strong in. So if you do have that skill, of tech and just being tech savvy, tech interested. I don't even think you have to have a lot of experience in tech because the tools today are so, they're so much more easy to learn. There's not a lot of hardcore coding that is necessary for a lot of the tools that we use in online business. But if you take the gift of project and process management and you overlay it with tech, I know that that can lead to a great career and a great service, a great offering in the space of automation. Online business is going to continue to be built and scaled and optimized through technological optimization, which really comes into the term that we're gonna we're gonna come back to today, which is in the space of automation. I know my business is built on a lot of automations and <laughs> we run much more smoothly because of it. So our topic today is increasing your ops authority by understanding automation. So tell me why automations are so important. The, the main thing is, especially in the online space, because we're all, I'm always going to be tying it back to that because this is what we're here for, right? Is as long as you understand that service and the process and what you need to do and the things you need to look out for, you can help your clients grow much more. And you can understand where in the team is being overwhelmed. And you can also stop your clients from hiring additional people that aren't necessary. So pretty often, When I come into companies and I do assessments or I do trainings, what we recognize when we start to pull out that list and we do the inventory of what's happening and how it happens, we very often recognize that a lot of things that are being done manually by people don't need to be. And I've actually had a couple of people come back to me, whether they worked with me personally or whether they've just came to a session of mine and got a couple of tips, or I did a presentation, came back to me and said that they eliminated an entire role by just implementing some of the automations that I talked about or having their team start looking for them. And I always like to tell people in operations and management and these types of positions not to get scared about where you stand when you start to recommend these things. Because when I say eliminate an entire role, people back off. They get scared. It's like, whoa, I'm not going to recommend that to my client because now what if it puts me out of a job? I, I can lose a client. They won't want to pay me anymore. But as you continue to look for these things, and you're recommending these things to your clients, they don't recognize the value that you bring. And it's they don't want to get rid of you now. You are helping them to build a better foundation and a better business and a better structure. And if they could only take on 10 private coaching clients and you help them to bring on an additional 10 because you streamlined a couple of processes and everyone was paying them, me make it easy, $1,000. So they were making $10,000 a month from their 10 clients. Now they've moved up to 20,000. So you see what we're doing here. We're helping them increase the income, but we're also streamlining. And when we do that, we eliminate errors. We increase time. Also hearing some people need to have a great conversation with their clients because a lot of coaches and consultants as well still believe heavily in high touch. And I always have to explain. 
high touch is okay. But when you get to a certain level in your business and I purchase something from you at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night because I woke up and said, you know what? Let me just pay for this $30,000 mastermind or this $5,000 program because it's really worth it. I've been sitting on it too long procrastinating. And then I pay crickets, nothing. I'm sitting there waiting for my welcome email, but your client or you want to be very high touch. So you don't see that I paid you until 9 a.m. in the morning. And now you have to wake up and send me that message. So even if you are in a space with people that want to be high touch, there are things that add a lot of value to the business. And we have to start helping them look at it from a different perspective and helping them understand that automations is really what is going to help them grow their business as well. And also stop team overwhelm. Wow. There's so much goodness there. The first thing is the mindset flip that I want to call out and really piggyback off of what you have just shared is when you add automations, it's a value add to the business. Automations and optimizing anything, whether that's a process, buying through automation or just automations alone, when you do that, you allow them to increase their profit margins. And most of us, even though if you don't sell or you don't promote this or you don't market yourself like this, as an operations person, when you come into a business, ultimately, the best way to show value to the company is to increase their profit margin. You do this when you can create something automated that doesn't take a heartbeat. It just allows the heartbeats or the people in the business. I'm, I'm calling people heartbeats. There, there are so many different places in a business. You're never going to get rid of people. Like that's the thing is we start to feel like we start to feel threatened. I can see that mentality. It's, it's not a strong mentality, by the way. It's a defeatist mentality of, or a scarcity mentality of, oh my goodness, if I offer this, it's going to take all, you know, I'm not going to be valuable anymore. That's absolutely not right. What you will be valuable for is either additional work or higher level work. And there's always more work inside of a business. And if automations and creating this as a way to come in and get, become familiar with the company, be familiar with the, the business, the culture, you know, the leader and the mission, maybe this is the gateway for you to understanding how you can be even more influential in the perfect business, right? Or maybe it's just a way you come in, you offer services, you realize that this is not a great environment for you. You fulfill your obligation and you look for a more ideal client. All the while you're bringing in consistent income that all of us are going to need. So I wanted to touch on the fact that I don't want you to feel like by offering a service, you're limiting yourself. You're actually expanding yourself. You either are expanding from another client a future, more ideal client, or you can come in and you can continue. We have several directors of operations who are really, really, really skilled and gifted in the area of automations. And that is part of their package. They're a director of operations in an ongoing capacity, but a portion of their benefit, the value add is that they do have that tech competency, that tech fluency to be able to optimize in a way that frankly, I wouldn't be able to do. I would have to outsource that to somebody else because it's never been an area that I dove deep into. Interesting. Yeah. And I do get a lot of individuals as well who feel as though when they get into that area that there's no space for having retainers. So that's also something people feel as though offering automation services is something that is, you know, you do a project and then you're done, but you constantly have to remember, like, you know, you have to keep your eyes open for things that are in progress, things are building so you can make them more effective. Yep. I agree. The, I was going to point out the fact that automations from an ongoing perspective, that's a skill set. 
right? It's not necessarily just an offer, but it's a skill set that can stay active and alive in a retainer capacity that is looking at more things than just automation. So it could be the only thing you focus on, or it could be one of the components that makes you a differentiated, you know, online business manager or director of operations. So, you know, when you're talking to leaders about the importance of automation, what are some of the sticking points or talking points that you would use when you're talking to them? I, we talked a little bit about how an operator pulls that together, but what? how would you talk to a leader about the value of bringing in somebody with a specialty? Talking to leaders is kind of a little different because it depends on if this person understands what happens behind the scenes or not, because very often things are going up and they have no clue. They just know that they need it done. So explaining things like, you know, it needs to come down to, okay, here's what you have someone doing. And I always like to draw on the podcast episode example. Like, I mean, always, this is my go-to example. For example, you know, if you're talking to someone, you need to hit it really hard on the head. If you have a podcast, and obviously, if they don't have a podcast, I'll find another example to use. But if we're recording a podcast, when we get off the podcast, someone needs to wait for it to be ready to download. And then they need to put it in a folder or send it to the editor. And then all of that is time. And all of that is something that someone doesn't need to be doing. So what I encourage, like all of my students, all the people around me, anyone that's been in my space, anyone that has a podcast, they'll always hear me tell them, when you get off your recording, make sure that your podcast recording automatically downloads. It is uploaded to your your Google folder or your Dropbox or wherever. And then it sends your editor a notification that says, hey, there's a new episode in the folder. And whatever links that need to be there is attached to that, you know, because you'd have someone spending 20 to 30 minutes waiting for that recording. And, you know, sometimes Zoom doesn't give it to us when we want it. Sometimes we leave home, we come back, and then it's like, shoot, I didn't send this over. They probably don't have the login to going to Zoom and get it themselves. So people are waiting on you. Instead of making that process efficient. So when I get off of my recording, all of that happens. And that is triggered just by using one word in that Zoom meeting, podcast. All that automation is looking for, anytime the title of a Zoom recording has the word podcast in it, carry out these functions after. So explaining it more so, a lot of times I have to put money on it because, you know, as CEOs, as business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders, we understand the value of money and we can put it in terms of that. So anytime I give an example, it is, this is what you would spend if this is happening manually. And this is what you would spend if this is happening automatically. And then you can, you don't have to get rid of any of your team members, but however, if you have a project that you're sitting on that you did not have the capacity to do or you have someone who's been waiting, you know, they're maximized, or you were waiting to hire someone, you were waiting until your revenue increased to take on this next project, find out from the current people on your team if they're willing to do this thing. Because, you know, we also have to make sure that the new project is something that someone wants to take on. They have to like it, it has to be in their scope. So we're not just forcing it like, hey, you don't have to do this thing anymore. However, I want you to do this thing instead. So you now have capacity to do that instead of waiting or to until someone can do it. So we I bring it down a lot to the financials with some examples to help them understand how useful it can be. Yeah, sounds like a great value proposition to a leader. And that's ultimately what we want to do and use when we're selling or marketing ourselves. 
Can you give me some, just off the top of your head, I know you talked about the podcast example, but for the majority or a lot of people that are here right now, we are serving the online learning market. So your course creators, people like me with certifications and, and academies and online learning courses, consultants, that type of thing. What are some common automations that you are seeing? And the reason I want to point these out is to help people understand how much work is available and how we, if you're not familiar with the tech space and this, you know, the world of automation, you may be skipping over just a ton of opportunity. So what are some common examples that you see in businesses like that? Believe it or not, there's still a ton of people who do not have failed payment automations in place. And a lot of them are also course creators and coaches and consultants because they figure, you know, it only happens once in a blue moon. And when it does happen once a quarter, their team member takes care of it. So I always also like to tell people in charge and the leaders, it's not the fact that it only happens once per quarter and you only they only take five minutes to reach out to the person or get it done. It's the fact that they have to think about it because I actually had one client say to me, it only happens once per quarter. And then I'm like, okay, so what happens in between there? Well, every month, their virtual assistant checks to see if they're failed payments. If they were, they send the list to the accountant and then the accountant does the reaching out. But you see, that is that is brand work. They don't have to do it. And when they do look for it, sometimes there is zero. So the fact that they have to think about it and actually still carry out the function of checking for it is wasting time. So if you have someone on your team billing hours, you know, and they take 30 minutes to an hour searching through your system to see if they were failed payments, then you already have a problem. We're wasting time there, yeah? Abandoned cart is another really big one that people are not doing. So we're losing a lot of opportunities not checking in with people, especially on sites where there is WooCommerce. Shopify will almost always do it for you. But I find that business owners who have WooCommerce set up because they have to install additional stuff, they miss the mark with sending out. So people are on their website. They're adding things to their WooCommerce cart. It's like Sam cart as well and Thrive cart. People are adding things and then they're not finalizing or they're not following up. So they miss an opportunity there because you have no idea who that lead is, right? Then we're also talking about, so we have the abandoned cart, fill payment notices. And then we also have people who want to send special offers to contacts who are already their customers. And a problem I've seen is, is that when they've sent it out, this one is getting a little deeper, but some people forget to just send it to the people who qualify for the offer. And then people who don't qualify for the offer purchase that deal. And there are things that you can actually put in place in your system, where if you want to send a coupon out for your special customers, your system will say, hey, we hit a snag with your order. It doesn't look like you have this thing before, click here to pay the remaining amount if you still want access to this, you know? So there are things like the following up is the major one. We miss a ton there. Getting people enrolled in courses as well. Up to three months ago, I still had someone who was taking information. They're manually enrolling people. And then they have several different methods to take payments. So then they can't automate it because they're doing manual invoices here and there and they're not streamlining it. And then you want to encompass everyone. So you're giving different people different payment amounts so you can never set up a cart. 
And then one thing that a lot of people are using QuickBooks. So this is another one using QuickBooks, but you're not linking your QuickBooks so that the information can automatically upload into the system for your bookkeeper to grab it or whatnot. You're still loading it in there manually. So those are a couple off the top of my head. I always still like to say it's very subjective and depending on the business because everyone uses a totally different tech stack. Mm -hmm. My tech stack is not going to be your tech stack. So it takes some analysis and whatnot to really figure out what you can do in your business. Yeah. The other piece that we really dialed in at the Ops Authority from an automation perspective was in the onboarding of our students. So once they join, I mean, there's so many automations that we have put into place to, like you were talking about, kind of the experience piece that we mentioned early earlier in the podcast today. I want them to feel valued as soon as they exchange money with me. And, and what does that look like? And we can make this really complicated and fancy and, and techy, or we can do something that doesn't require a whole lot of automation, but ultimately we're trying to satisfy that feeling of gratitude at the very beginning of sharing in a transaction. So that, I mean, that's the beginning and there are just so many other automations that happen throughout our program, you know, that are valuable and, and you're right. They've never eliminated from a business owner. I look at it as giving our, the best experience that we can possibly give. I never look at it from the perspective of, you know, taking away work from somebody. I love for them to come to me and say, Hey, now we can automate this piece. Have you ever thought about doing this? Or, Hey, there's a new tool on the market. That's going to allow us to do X, Y, Z. And honestly, if your students or your students, clients, patients, customers, whoever they are for you, if they are happy and they are getting the best experience possible, they're going to stay with you happier, longer, (laughs) happy clients, patients, students, whatever, they're going to stay with you longer. And then your long-term value continues to increase the happier they are, the better you deliver or over deliver. And I think that that's what automations have done for us inside of the ops authority. I am so interested. So I think you know this because I've been on your podcast, but my background was in health and in nursing. And so very fun fact, interesting fact is I taught anatomy and physiology. Like I literally worked in the cadaver lab for six years and I taught anatomy and physiology for those six years. And so when I saw the title of your course being anatomy of automation, I mean, you got me right there. I love it. I was telling you before we hit record today, how much, how cool I think that title is. So maybe I'm partial to it because I love anatomy, but tell me a little bit about that. Cause I think that we've got people here. This is not where I expected to go with this podcast, but just, just <laughs> learning and being inquisitive of how your skills, your operational, your analytical, your administrative skills can open up an area that you didn't even know, because I never thought I was going to be a project manager and enter into a whole new business when I was in nursing. However, now looking in, in reverse, I'm like, oh, nurses are like nurses, teachers, some of the best project managers that are out there because of the environment that you're working in. So I want to connect the dots for a few people. Give me an understanding or share with us a little bit about what anatomy of automation looks like. Before I go there, I need to touch on this thing because I am actually a certified mortuary scientist. So, <laughs> so my my goal, my ambition was supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a crime scene forensic scientist, right? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Talk about two worlds coming together. <laughs> so there's that part, right? But anatomy of automation, I brainstormed a couple of things. What is it going to be? Academy of automation. What was it going to be? But I really wanted to get out there that this is something that is coming from the ground up even if you've never done it before. 
And when we talk about anatomy, wherever we talked about it, normally it's the basics. It's starting from the basics and it's building upon. So there are a bunch of people who come into my world who've never even worked online and have successfully done this. I have Funnel Gorgeous now has about three of my students on their team full time. If you're familiar with the SaaS company Funnel Gorgeous now, they have my tech students and they come, they submit proposals to hire my students because of that background that is there now. So building on that foundation, even if you've never done it before, and also making sure that students understand or people who are interested in getting into that space understand, even if you're not set up yet or you don't have a business that is, you know, you're not established, whatever you're doing, you can still get in here with us and learn this because this is starting from the bottom and coming up. But however, it's also structured in a way where if you want to skip those basics, you can also do that. So I don't want people to come in and then just throw the entire thing at them and say, okay, this is how you do an automation. I need them to understand what it is, who it's for, when you use it, what you need to be doing with it, how you build a strategy, why you build a strategy, how to put forward the strategy, all of those pieces coming together and how to intertwine them and, and how to always be looking out for those things so that you can make recommendations. So it's not only about meeting a client, coming in, doing the setup that they say they want, but also to say, you know what? I'm looking at the suggestion you made or I'm looking at how you want this to work, but can I tell you what I'm thinking? Because they're thinking also strategically about the entire process and they can develop or recommend something better. I see that a lot of times where we can't always answer the call that the leader comes in and says that they want like, Hey, I want this. This is what I want you. It's never like that. I always encourage us all to use our strategic capabilities and say, Hey, let's understand the problem. And as an expert and a strategist, let me come in and share the strategy I think would be best moving forward. So I love that you're really leaning into that because I think we can go down some, actually from a cost containment perspective, we can spend a lot of money as leaders of businesses solving problems that we as the leader of the business have no idea. I, I could never tell you how to solve the, the tech problems of our business because it's not my specialty. So if I came in and was prescriptive, we could go down a very expensive path, not only just money, but also time which is money at, at the end of the day. So are you teaching specific tech skills or a tech stack, or are you looking at it more from a strategic perspective? It's strategic and it's also skill because the entire thing revolving around what I teach is how to use any platform, even if you've Great. never seen it before. Great. So I like individuals that come into my world to know, okay, this is what we look for. And I also have an example where I went through a life example in a system that I never used to show them what to look out for and understanding what different platforms call things mm -hmm. and how the names intertwine. So I actually have a glossary where I explain to them, if you don't see this word, look for this word. If you don't see this word, look for this word. The different platforms and SaaS companies just switch them around. And the hardest part will be understanding the user face of that tool. You know, we'll always have favorites because it's like Microsoft or Windows and Apple, that type of stuff. Sometimes we look at it and we're looking like, you know, oh, well, I don't want to use that system. I prefer this one. Or it's like Google Sheets and Mm -hmm. Microsoft Excel, we have a preference of the one we want to look at. You will always end up with a favorite tool. So I also don't even recommend, you know, pushing favorite tools on clients. But however, I like my students and anyone in my world or space to understand it is as long as you're able to look out for these things, you'll be able to navigate any tool, even if you don't like it, 
even if you've never seen it before, you can get in there, get the project, get the job done and you can manage it well. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Really understanding that a lot of these SaaS companies are solving the same problem, but the user interface is what makes them really different. And that's where we build preference. So Latoya, where can these lovely ladies find you on the internet? You can always find me on all social platforms at R. And you can also head over to quittingcorporate.com and you can search for the Quitting Corporate Facebook group as well and come hang with us. And I would love to connect with you. Yes, awesome. Latoya, thanks so much for being here today. I love this conversation and love getting to know you a little bit more. And then also, I just love building our network of people who are operators and have specialties that we didn't see at the very beginning of our business journey. So thank you so much for being here, friend. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Awesome. Take care. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.